0: At Holy Wisdom Monastery, our mission is shaped by values drawn from the rule of Benedict, prayer, hospitality, justice, and care for the earth. Presented by the Benedictine Women of Madison, this is the Holy Wisdom Podcast, bringing our hospitality to you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Holy Wisdom Podcast. I am your host, Brooke, and I am here with two returning guests. We have Sister Lynn Smith and Lynn Lemberger. How are both of you doing today?
1: I'm doing
2: well. Staying warm. Yes, yeah, same here. Well, that's
0: good. What with the negative degrees, out there, I guess it's not negative degrees now, but it was this morning. <laughs> yeah, definitely a good day to stay warm bundled up in our house. Um, For any who don't remember, Lynn and Lynn were both guests on one of our previous episodes, episode two, Advent and the O Antiphons, which was a really great episode. A lot of people really enjoyed that. So if you want to go listen in to that previous episode, I fully encourage you. And we're actually on a similar topic for this one, where this time um, we're going to be talking about Holy Week which is coming up this year, Um, it's 2021. So this will be from March 28th to April 3rd. I don't know too much about it other than it is the week before Easter Sunday. So to get started, I'm going to toss it over to Lynn Lemberger to talk more about the history and origins of this week.
2: Thank you, Brooke. I'm happy to talk about this. Our origins of Holy Week go back a very long way. These celebrations first developed in the fourth century, and there are several reasons why this happened at this time. And one of the biggest reasons is a historical point, which is that Constantine the Great was the emperor of the holy roman emperor you know the whole that whole area of the world and he converted to christianity and that had a huge impact on people and people of faith especially because it meant that christianity and people who were christians Could be free to express and practice their faith. Also, Constantine built churches all over the area in Jerusalem and all over, and these churches became places of pilgrimage, kind of like a a religious travel experience. So traveling to a place that had holy Uh, significance. The other thing that happened at this time was that the time before Easter, which we call Lent, had extended, and it extended up to Easter Sunday, and those days right before Easter Sunday took on special significance because people kind of wanted to reenact or remembered the events in Jesus's life before Easter. So those things were really, really important to people at that time. And they provide the framework for our Holy Week services, pretty much just like we celebrate right now. Those days, Palm Sunday, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, The Easter Vigil, which is the Saturday night before Easter Sunday, were all really important days and very similar back then in celebration as we have now. We even have some historical writings from that time. A Spanish nun by the name of Egeria went to Jerusalem in the fourth century and she wrote a little travel diary So she participated in these celebrations and wrote down her experiences. And we we have them now, even. So here's a little bit from Egeria in the fourth century. And she's talking about Palm Sunday. As the 11th hour draws near, that particular passage from scripture is read in which the children, bearing palms and branches, came forth to meet the Lord, saying, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The bishop and all the people rise immediately, and then everyone walks down from the top of the Mount of Olives with the people preceding the bishop and responding continually with, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord all the children were present there, even the ones who couldn't walk yet and were carried by their parents and all had palm branches in their hands." And she goes on, but it's just a lovely little kind of travel diary of what happened way back in the fourth century and things that we do now as well with palm branches on Palm Sunday as an example. Yeah, that's, that's,
1: that's, oh, sorry.
2: No worries. I was just going
0: to say that um, one of the questions I've I've had in the very brief um, research I've done on Holy Week is wondering why Palm Sunday is called Palm
2: Sunday. (laughs) And I think that kind of answers a bit of it. Yeah, that's a great question. And it, it comes from the gospel readings that are used on Palm Sunday, where they talk about Jesus's triumphal entrance into Jerusalem. And the people carried palm branches and waved them as he came in. Think of it as a little parade. So Jesus comes into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And the gospels all mention this and the palm branches. So we kind of uh, reenact this. It's not like the passion play reenacted that is done in Germany, but a remembering or a recalling of the events in Jesus's life.
1: The, this diary is so, is so much fun to have and to read because you think about uh, people in that time. I mean, it, it's, a little, it's a connection. And we um, in the liturgy, uh, we have a similar connection with, with Christians throughout the ages then. At least since since the fourth century, in the way that we celebrate uh, these events, and that's fun to me. It's it's not it's not something that we've just made up, you know, in our lifetimes. But the traditions have been kept ever since the fourth century, and modified some here and there, of course. Mm-hmm. All
0: right, and I think that that's not collection but um recording of experience sounds so human you know when you were explaining it and describing it my first thought was ah yes vlogging since the fourth century (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah that's so interesting and amazing that we're able to get this firsthand experience from all the way back in the fourth century from this nun that's really incredible Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. especially because it is a woman who's writing this and a religious woman who could read and write. Now, many people, many people could not read and write, especially women. So, this is a wonderful kind of historical document for us uh, religious type women now to mm-hmm. look back on it. Mm-hmm. And in, the people in Jerusalem really found this to be a very exciting time lots of visitors lots of pilgrims would come so the practices of holy week the traditions that developed spread all over and churches that were being built in different places where there were maybe saints associated um, found this as a way to attract pilgrims to attract people to come and visit their churches, visit their towns, it's, uh, it really spurred tourism in that time.
0: <laughs> so the other question that comes to mind is, which of, or how have they changed over time and what do we still celebrate and, and what traditions we still hold uh, today?
1: Well, for for Palm Sunday, uh, you know, as Lynn mentioned, we we use palms, and uh, they're blessed, and we have a small procession at the monastery where we start in the gathering area, and then we go out the door that exits onto the patio outside the dining room, and we walk from there around the building and back in. Uh, singing a little refrain at the time, it's led by the cross. So, in a sense, you know, there it's a little bit like um, maybe a little mil- mini pilgrimage. <laughs> you know, we we don't do it in the sense of reenacting what Jesus did, like Lynn said, but it's a, it's a way of getting our bodies involved, getting our body involved in. The story that we hear about Jesus' life. So that's what we do for Palm Sunday. And then because the Sunday is also a time when we we read the Passion of Jesus, which is the story of his arrest and trial in in front of Pilate and then his crucifixion. So we read that story, do it reverently, and have some time for meditation, just to reflect on the, uh, you know, what what happened and what it means for us, I think. Holy Week, I think, for us uh, these days is, uh, again, not so much a, a reenactment, but it's a very embodied liturgy. You know, on Holy Thursday, we do foot washing. That's the day when Jesus washed the disciples' feet and said, you know, as I've done to you, you, you do to others. And he was talking about service there and love. He says, as I've loved you, love others. So as a way of enacting that kind of service and our intention to serve and love like that, we wash one another's feet So here at the monastery, anyone who desires to participate in that ritual can, and families will go up. It's very moving to see couples and children uh, of all different ages uh, washing one another's feet. And then because lots of us come to the assembly as singles, we also, maybe we invite somebody else we want to wash their feet, or they invite us, or as we're waiting in line to do it, we might just turn to the next person and say, may I wash your feet, so that everybody who wants to feel included, it is, you no, know, because we all, we all want to be of service to one another. Uh, here, we have a meal together. When we're able to gather, we have a meal together uh, on Holy Thursday. You remember that's also the day when we commemorate Jesus' last supper with his disciples, because after that uh, meal, then he was arrested. Good Friday, we have uh, a service without the Eucharist, and we bring in a a large cross, a wooden cross that's set up in the assembly room, and then we venerate the cross, uh, which is simply making some kind of gesture of respect. People might bow, they might kneel, they might kiss the cross, they might just touch it. That's an opportunity to remember what Jesus, or, or to think about what Jesus' death uh, means to us, uh, his giving of himself for us. Uh, I, uh, I use that as a time just to, to meditate on what, what his, his love means to me so that's a reflective time during the week and here as in um, probably many monasteries we keep silence from the end of the service on holy thursday until saturday afternoon so that helps us move into those commemorations and liturgies at a at a deeper level a reflective level thinking about you know what does my faith mean to me and We've spent the time during Lent, you know, in prayer and giving uh, to other folks, fasting, and as a way of reflecting on how am I living my faith? Not to judge myself about it, but kind of to hold it up next to Jesus' love for me. And am am I living that love? Am I receiving it? And if I receive it, then how am I? How am I open to giving it to others? So it's a time of self-examination, I think. And then we come to the Easter Vigil. I love the Easter Vigil, in a sense um, it's a it's like a little mil, mini pilgrimage. Actually, the the way we do it here, we have you might know we have a fire pit out on the patio outside the dining room, so we start the the vigil in darkness, the room is a little bit uh, darkened, with the reading of the creation story. Because during this service, we're going to hear a range of scripture readings all about what God's done for us in in terms of creating humankind and and walking in love with us and forgiving us. And it's the whole story of Jesus, uh, well, and Jesus also, but God's redeeming love for us—we we hear the breadth of that. So after we hear the creation story, then we go out to the patio. It's dark by this time, and there's a we we light a bonfire. It's called the new fire, the Easter fire, and it's a big it's a big bonfire in our place. I mean, <laughs> our groundskeeper, uh, Paul Boutwell, used to set these up, and one year he set it up with dry grasses, and it just took off. You know, if it's windy, the sparks are flying around. So it's a real fire symbol, symbolizing new creation. You know, there was there was fire and there was light at the beginning of creation. And we're made new through our faith in Christ. So we have a big fire and the Christ candle is lit. Jesus said he was the light of the world. So light is a symbol for Jesus the, can, the fire, the candle is a symbol. We follow the candle then in that same route of procession around the building and back into the assembly room where uh, we all light candles. Now, th- this symbol uh, ties us to our baptism also, because at baptism, we received a candle symbolizing Christ, and we're, we're told, you know, keep this light of Christ burning in you. We sing that the, the Exaltat, which is an ancient prayer hymn about God's salvation through Jesus. And we sing the Alleluia again. Uh, we haven't sung the Alleluia all during Lent. So for the 40 days, no Alleluia. It's really wonderful then. You come to Easter with these great alleluias and and hymns and readings, and it heightens a sense of joy and newness, I think. At At least it does for me. And then our little mini pilgrimage continues, because then we go out to our baptismal font, which is outside the assembly room, and gather around the font where uh, we renew our baptisms. Uh, sometimes we have a baptism on at the Easter Vigil. That's a traditional time um, in the church for people to be baptized. During Lent is a time for people to prepare for baptism, and then it's a joyful celebration of people being baptized, and we renew our baptismal promises. So we remember, We were baptized. We remember what we promised then or what our parents promised. And we affirmed at our confirmation. And uh, then we process back into the church building. Egeria, in her diary talks about these these processions in um, some of the the churches that, that Constantine built they were huge churches, and they would proceed around to different places in the churches when they came to their liturgy, uh, remembering, you know, things that happened in Christ's life that last week. So in a sense, we're, we're doing that also. After the liturgy, then uh, we have a, a social time because liturgy is a human activity, you know, and and one of the things we we like to do is is to celebrate together and just share then what's happening, what's joyful and share a little food with one another. So we have a kind of a potluck goodies after <laughs> the Easter vigil. So anyway, it's a, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful week of reflection and renewal, I think.
0: It sounds like, it, it sounds like a very busy week
1: but it is (laughs) especially for Lynn (laughs) especially for
2: liturgists you bet it's extremely long for a holy week yes Uh, I, I think it's good to keep in mind that this week is that culmination from all of the weeks before in Lent and as we are recording this right now we're getting all of our preparations ready for Lent, and Lent is, Ash Wednesday's coming up very quickly. And that time of Lent is, is a renewal time, even for all of us who were baptized many years ago, not just people who will be newly baptized, but for all of us, it's a time to renew ourselves, renew our faith, to kind of have a yearly checkup, a spiritual checkup and preparation time. The hallmarks of Lent are prayer, fasting and abstinence. And in those three markers, we are challenged and we are invited. We are brought into our human bodies. Fasting and abstaining is is a very human thing. Almsgiving keeps us in touch with other people in our generosity to the poor. So the renewal time during Lent really culminates in Holy Week and is a time That we can remember, even though I'm not going to actually remember my baptism from many years ago when I was an infant, but remember and be in touch with my faith and my faith community and my role in that and my responsibility in this faith. And then celebrate that with Easter. And Easter isn't just one day, but 50 days. It's the whole 50 days, not just one day, mm-hmm. that we have this opportunity to celebrate not only the risen Christ, but our renewal in faith. Baptism is, is lifelong. Mm-hmm. It's not just a one-shot deal. You pour the water and you're all done. You're all baptized. You're all good and holy now, but it is a lifetime process, human struggle and renewal and celebration
1: there's a lot of wisdom that is um sort of embodied in the liturgy of the Christian year I think because as Lynn said the, the faith is not a it's not a one-time action over over the course of our lives it changes and it deepens and we need markers and we need a uh, process for that to deepen in us, for our faith to deepen in us. So Lent is these 40 days of the process of reflection, as as Lynn said, and Easter is is 50 days of a process of appropriating our faith in a deeper way. You know, anytime we try to make a change in our lives, it doesn't happen overnight. It, It takes time. And so with wisdom, (laughs) all throughout the Easter season, then, we celebrate this mystery and reflect on this mystery of Jesus' life, passion, death, and resurrection. And what does it mean to us? I, I think it gives us an opportunity to reflect on those kind of experiences in our own lives as well. I mean, we've experienced little deaths, we've experienced suffering, and we've experienced new life that comes out of it over time. So there's a lot of wisdom really embedded in the liturgy.
0: Yeah, I believe that. And, you know, I think it's so important and meaningful that there's a time set aside for really reflecting and refocusing, um, because it's so easy for people to become compliant to the day to day, whether that's in spirituality, or just the, the normalcies of life that for something so personal and important as a connection to one's faith, to take time to make sure that that's not so compliant and laid back and doesn't get forgotten. I think that's really, really meaningful. Mm -hmm. I think that's such a beautiful note to bring the podcast to a close. Like I said, that's just, that's really lovely. And I think is a really nice way to prepare for Holy week coming up later in the month. Thank you once more to Sister Lynn Smith and Lynn Lemberger for being on this episode. I really appreciate it. You are both so full of knowledge. It's so fun and interesting to learn more about these holidays and times of the year. You're welcome. Well,
2: thank
1: you for having us on.
2: Yes, thank you.
0: It's a pleasure. Now, before we say a final goodbye to all of our lovely listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in and listening. I hope that you enjoyed the episode. If you want to find us or follow us, we are available on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. We also have our website, Holy Wisdom Monastery, which you are more than welcome to peruse and see if you find anything you might like, including new podcast episodes with that thank you both for being on and thank you to our listeners until next time bye thank you for listening to this episode of the holy wisdom podcast to learn more about us get updates about new episodes or to send a message you can find us on facebook and instagram under the name holy wisdom monastery or visit our website benedictinewomen.org